Thank you so much. You can sit down. Does it count as a standing ovation if you were already standing? I don't know. Does? Then I'm counting it. Perfect. Well, thanks again for having me today. I'm here every day. You just probably never see me. I'm just back in the president's office. But I pray for you every single day. When I walk in, I pray for your day. I pray for your classes. I pray for your professors. Um, I come here every day because I am fully invested in your future. I believe in your future. My husband and I met here. I'm going to tell a little more of our story later, but this place was incredibly formative in my life. I look back, and outside of my heritage of my parents, this place shaped my spiritual foundation more than anything else and gave me a firm footing to go out into the world. And I believe, I pray the same thing that happens for you every single day. So I'm really excited and honored to be here. Um, we are continuing uh, the part of chapel called the Bible Core, which is what we started uh, last semester, which is kind of just getting back to some of the fundamentals. And last week, Dr. Pruitt spoke on God creates a people. And today our topic is God calls. A people. And we're going to be looking at the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So if you have your Bible and you want to pull that up, or if you have it on your phone, pull out your Bible today and you can keep track of where we are at. We're going to be looking at the call of Abraham to leave the city where he's been living and to go to a new land that God was promising to give him and his descendants. I love reading stories like this in scripture. I think it's good to remember that these people that we're talking about were real people. They were real stories. They were real families. These were real situations. This was their real interactions and questions with God. Sometimes we get a glimpse of one or two moments in people's lives, and other times we get to watch the whole arc of their entire life and their interactions with God. And I like to put myself in the story. I always like to think, what would I do? If God asked me to do this, how would I respond if this was what was asked of me? I like to think how I would have reacted. I always think that I would have been very spiritual. But if I'm honest, probably I wouldn't have had the most spiritual reactions to all of these scenarios. But Abraham is one of these stories that we get to see this complex journey of his entire walk of faith over a number of years, and we get to watch his interactions with God. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12. I got to get my old lady glasses. Here we go. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is where God calls Abraham out. He says, I'm going to ask you to leave where you are, and I'm going to ask you to go somewhere new. Can you imagine that? Now, in the day and age of Google where we can look up every single tiny detail of where we're going to go today, tomorrow. Can you imagine what it would be like to just literally pack up and leave? He would have had no idea where he was going. He wouldn't have known anyone there. He wouldn't have been able to anticipate what the journey would be like. This is literally God saying, go. And he had no idea where he was going to go. Now, you and I... Before we go anywhere, we can find houses and schools and uh, jobs and restaurants and proximity to Target and all of the things that you and I find important. 
But Abraham had no idea where he was going. He was just told to go. It reminds me of my husband, Jeff. So he came here to North Central in 1994. I have a picture of 1994, Jeff. Oh, look at that. Any wonder why I fell hard for that guy? Look at that. That's my husband, Jeff. And in 1994, he was living the dream in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, working for Snippers Lawn Maintenance and going to the University of Calgary. Snippers, yep. Which meant the reason he was smart, because in the winter, if there was no snow, he didn't have to shovel, which meant he got to go ski all day in Banff and still got paid. So that's what Jeff was doing. And then one day, his parents came home from a pastor's conference and said, we heard about this college in Minneapolis, Minnesota, called North Central Bible College. And the Lord spoke something to Jeff's heart. That's where I want you to go. And so he loaded up that 1976 orange rabbit with everything he owned, and he drove across the border from Canada to Minneapolis, and he did not know a soul. Now, you guys have to remember, in 94, we did not have the internet. We did not have cell phones. He literally picked up the phone and called someone and said, I think I'm going to come put a handwritten application in the mailbox and mailed it, and they mailed him back a letter, and then he literally got in his car and came here and had never seen the campus, didn't know a soul, anything like that. We talk all the time about what that step of faith meant because, alas, we stood next to each other in the corral, and the rest is history, and he has been in the great land of America ever since. So God bless. But there's something about taking a big step when you don't know where you're going, when you don't know where you're going. And this is what God said to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to ask you to leave where you are, and I'm going to ask you to go somewhere that you don't know anything about. But that's what I'm asking you to do. Another interesting thought. The city that Abraham was living in when God called him was the Ur of the Chaldeans. It was a bustling city in what is now Iraq. Now, it was along the Euphrates River. It was one of the richest cities. The people of ancient Ur were a highly advanced culture. The common district was filled with marketplaces and schools and libraries. And many of the people there were very wealthy. People had nice homes with lush gardens and many conveniences. Now, when I've always read that story, I always imagine Abram, in my mind, is sitting out like in a desert in a tent, all by himself with like sand blowing in his face, and it's the worst possible environment ever. And Abraham's sitting there, and God says, Abraham, I have something better for you. We're going to go to this land flowing with milk and honey. And Abraham looks around him and goes, I'm in. Anything's better than this tent in the middle of the desert, right? So I always imagined that when God called Abraham out, he was calling him out of something really horrible into something better. But that's not the case. What we learn here is that Abram was in a great city. There was a lot of opportunity. There was a lot of convenience. There was a lot of things going for him. He was in a good place. God asked him to leave something good because he had something better. And sometimes for you and I, God will ask us to leave something good because he has something better for us where Abram was right then might have seemed really good on the surface, but God had more for him. He had a plan for him and for his whole life and for the generations coming behind him, and it was going to take movement. And so he had to take a step and leave where he was. And the same is true for you and I. 
Something on the surface might look really good. Where you are might be fine. It might be comfortable. It might be convenient. It might have all kinds of advantages. It might be really good. It might not be bad at all. But sometimes God calls us away from good things to lead us into better things. Now, Abram might have wondered, why in the world would I leave this, right? And yet there was something inside of him that resonated that he should trust God and take that step. Now, we don't know the spiritual history of Abram up to that moment. We don't know anything about him until this chapter 12 in Genesis. But I like to think there was already some foundation of faith in his life. Maybe it was just historical tradition passed down from generation to generation. And he had heard about his great, 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 great grandfather to the ninth degree, Noah, who had known this God who had told him to do something crazy, like build an ark. And the story of the family had been passed down about how the word of God was true in Noah's life. And there was enough of that understanding of who God was in him that said, maybe I should do what he says. And so sometimes we don't know why God asks us to do something. But our job is always to obey him when he speaks to us. The reality was this. The city of Ur might have looked to God on the surface and had all kinds of conveniences, But the spiritual climate of this city was highly idolatrous. They worshipped the moon god Nana, and it was a polytheistic society. And so just because it looked good on the surface and had all kinds of things, there was stuff going on underneath. And just because things might look good and convenient on the surface for us, it doesn't mean that the spiritual climate is what God has for us. Maybe God has been speaking to you about something that you need to change. Maybe it looks good on the surface, but it's a relationship that God has just been nudging your heart about. There's something about this that I need you to let go of because he knows the spiritual climate isn't good. Maybe it's a job that you need to walk away from, something that you've been feeling that whisper on your heart that God has something new from you. And yet you look around and say, well, it looks okay to me. And God is saying, I know more. You're going to have to trust me. I know how much you can handle. I know the level of temptation that you can be around. I know all things about you. I know everything around you. And so when I tell you to go, you have got to listen to me. So God called Abraham out. He told him that it was time to leave. And with it, he gave him a promise. Let's look again at Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, leave your native country, your relatives, and and your father's family And go to the land I will show you. Now here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now when God asks us to do something, he gives us promises to go along with him. Now I want you to notice that it was promises and not reasons. Okay? It was promises and not reasons. So I don't know about you, but I want the reasons why. I want the Lord to lay it out and say, okay, because of the spiritual climate, because I'm going to do this here and I'm going to do that, this is why you need to go, right? And we want all the reasons why. We want to know why. We want to know when. 
We want to know how long. We want to know all the specifics and all of the details. And many of us refuse to start walking until we understand all the reasons why and we fully know each and every step. Many of us need to be convinced by all the reasons before we're willing to start walking. But that's not how God works. God did not line up reasons for Abraham to leave. He didn't give him specifics. He gave him promises. Now, that can be really hard for a lot of us. It's hard for me. I'm kind of stubborn. Sometimes I don't want to do things I don't want to do, right? And I think for a lot of us, it's hard. Now, I have children your ages. Two of them are up in the balcony hiding from their mother. Sorry. Mom prerogative to do that. But let me tell you something that might make this harder for your generation. When we are parenting our kids, when, you know, 20 years ago, a whole new wave of parenting came around that said one thing that we can do to help our children is to tell them all the reasons why they need to do something, right? There was a new wave of parenting techniques that told us that we should explain things to our children and help them understand all of the reasons why we were asking them to do something. I want you to eat your vegetables. The reasons why they're good for you. They're going to make you stronger. I've prepared this food. And so we would explain things to you, right? Now, as opposed to when I was a kid and I asked my parents why, their response to me was what? Because I said so. Did your parents tell you because I said so? Oh, good. So everybody did. I did throw it out there a few times with my kids, too. Because I said so. No explanations. No reasons. Now, I'm not saying that this wasn't a better way to parent. I'm just saying that I think it's maybe a little more rare. A lot of times we, we explain things more. We get the understanding behind it. But why did my parents feel like because I said so was a sufficient answer for me? Well, first of all, it was very clear that they were in charge. They were, they were in charge of how things were going to go. And so if they told me to do something, my response to them was yes. I didn't need to know the reasons why. I just needed to know that the person who was an authority over me had given me direction, so I needed to say yes. The second thing was they knew more than me. And nothing would annoy them faster than when I proceeded to think that I knew more than them. Pretty soon it would be like, excuse me, really? And so because I said so, sometimes came out of frustration of, listen, I know more than you. I've been around here a little bit longer. I understand the bigger picture than you do. So you just need to do what I say. And mostly because I said so was their response to me because they loved me. And anything they asked me to do was out of their love for me and therefore was for my highest good and my highest benefit. So here's why I think faith moves the heart of God so much. When we take steps of faith without all the details, it shows that we trust God. We trust his heart for us. We're acknowledging that he knows more than we know. We humble ourselves under his authority and say, my life is yours, so you get to tell me to do whatever you want me to do, and my job is simply to obey you. And we are confident that he is good and that he loves us more than we can ever imagine. So if he says, yes, it's for our highest good. If he says, no, it's for our highest good. If he says, leave, 
It is for our highest good. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that every time you leave the place that you're walking into, sunshine and rainbows, and it's going to be easy. But it's always our, for our best. And so learning to trust the heart of God. Abraham's faith pleased the heart of God because he took a step without sight, without reasons, without understanding the whole picture. Many of us need the sight before we'll take the step. But that's not really faith, is it? That's not really faith. If you have a list of reasons and outcomes and details, no belief is needed at all. But taking a step without sight, that is a great act of faith that God is pleased with. God did not give Abraham reasons, but he did give him promises. Look at Genesis 12 again. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. He gives him three promises. The first is a legacy. He says, Abraham, if you follow me, I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. Nothing was more important in that time than the continuation of your family and heritage. And we have to remember at this moment, he didn't have an heir. He didn't have a son, and yet God's promise to him in that moment was that if he trusted him, his name and his legacy would go on for generations. The second thing he promises him is protection. He says, I will curse those who treat you with contempt. He promises protection and covering. He's saying, if you do what I tell you, I have got your back. You don't have to be afraid. You just can know that I'm going to watch over you. He's saying, Abraham, if you trust me and do what I say, you will always find yourself under my protection. And lastly, he promises him impact. He says, all the families of the earth will be blessed by you. He says, your life will matter. You will be significant. God was going to use him and his family to bless the whole earth. And God has promises that he is speaking into your life, of your legacy, of your impact, of protection over your daily life. But his promises hinge on our obedience. Abraham was never going to receive his promise sitting in Ur. Think about that, how the scripture would be different if Abraham never got up and left. But the whole history of what we know from Abraham's descendants is based on that one moment that he said yes. He had to leave behind what was good and trust that what God had ahead for him was for his highest good. Maybe God has called you to do something and you have been asking for reasons and you've been asking for details and you've been asking for timing and God is saying, I'm not going to give you reasons just going to have to trust me because I said so. He's saying, I'm not going to give you reasons, but I will give you promises. When you submit to my authority in your life, your life will matter. I will make it count. I will put you places where you will have influence. When you obey me, you will live in safety and under my protection and my care. I will have your back. And when you trust me 
It blesses my heart, and I count your faith as righteousness because you are demonstrating that you know that I'm good and that you know I'm for you and that you know how much I love you. So as I wrap up today, I'm challenged. I want to have Abraham kind of obedience and Abraham kind of faith. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that I missed out on something that God had for my life because I was waiting until I understood it all clearly before I was willing to take a step. I was waiting for all the reasons and I missed out because I was too afraid to take a step without knowing. When he asks me to do something, I want to do it. And I'm, I'm not saying any of this is easy. I have wrestled with things that God has asked me to let go of. I have wrestled with things that I did not want to lay down. I have held on to things that I didn't understand why God would tell me to, get, to let him have it or to step away from it. Because to me, it looked good. And yet, that's our whole thing as followers of Christ. When we say that God is Lord of our life, what does that mean? What does that really mean? It means that he gets to say so. And so I don't know today what you're holding on to. Maybe it's a relationship, and God has been telling you to let go, and you can't, you can't understand all the reasons. But you know what? The promise of God is that he is always going to have your highest good in mind. If he's saying to let go, there's a reason why. Maybe he's asking you to take a step of faith, to go somewhere, to say something, to do something. Our job is always to listen to him and obey with whatever he says. When Jeff and I were students here, there was a professor of ours named Dave Peaty who was a mentor to us. And I think about what he taught us every single day. He said, every morning I get up and I go to my living room and I put my face in the cushions and I drag my will under the will of God. Every single day. That's the first thing I have to do. And sometimes it goes easy and sometimes I have to grab myself by the scruff of the neck and pull my will under the will of God and say, whatever you want, my life is yours. Not my will, but yours. So as we're worshiping today, maybe you just need a little time to just have a really honest conversation with the Lord. Is there something he's asking you to take a step in? Is he asking you to go somewhere? Is he asking you to do something? Whatever it is, it's for your highest good. You can trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, when we say our lives belong to you, Father, we mean it with our whole hearts. And Father, we recognize that sometimes walking that out is really difficult. Because Lord, we can see with our own eyes around us and sometimes things don't make sense to us and we want to understand all the reasons why. But you ask us to trust you without sight. You ask us to believe in your goodness no matter what you ask us to give up. 
So, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help each of us to lay down our lives for you. Lord, to not hold on to things that look really good and comfortable, and yet we're going to miss out on the full promise of what you have for us. Jesus, we are yours, and we pull ourselves under your authority in our lives. We pull ourselves under your sovereignty. We pull ourselves back into alignment and say we will obey whatever you ask us to do. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.